Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to do a deep dive into Don Bluth. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an 18-year-old, 9-year-old, 3-year-old, God help me. Yes. Yes, yes. And what are we here today for? We're here for Don Bluth today? Yeah, I think maybe start off and explain to people who Don Bluth is, because I know and you know, but we also watch a lot of kids' movies, so. Okay, so (laughs) we are in sequence here. And you, if, if you actually, if you listen, you heard us review All Dogs Go to Heaven, which you know how we felt about that movie. Don was the director of that movie. And Don is, Don is an interesting guy. And, you know, the 32nd version is Don cares more about the art then he cares about the story, and he gave not one flying fuck whether or not his stories were children appropriate. So. I feel like that explains a lot. Yeah. About his movies. It, I really, <laughs> I feel that it does. So, we'll get into the history to start with. He's a really interesting guy, and... He was born in 1937. He's Mormon. He went, Oh, he is Mormon? He is Mormon. I don't know if he is personally Mormon anymore. He was born Mormon? But he was born Mormon. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. And he went to Brigham Young. So he's... He's Mormony Mormon. <laughs> right. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a certain level of... Mormony, you gotta be to go to Brigham, Brigham Young. And he went not once, but twice. So the first time after he graduated, he went to Disney and he worked there as an intern for about a year. And he got his, he figured out his way around things and got to know the system and what was going on there. And then he went on mission for two years, which I'm assuming timeline-wise, that actually seems kind of late to me. So for a mission? Yeah. Don't don't missions usually happen right out of college? I don't know. I thought they happened even younger than that. I thought boys went at like 17, like before college. Before college even? See, I don't know. So it seems like that's kind of late. So I, but... He went on mission for two years, and then he went back to Brigham Young, and then he went back to Disney. So, where did he go on mission, did it say, your um, research? I do not think that I have an answer for that. That's an interesting question, but give me a second. Argentina. He went hmm. to Argentina on mission. Okay. And afterwards, so his second degree was in English literature, which I'm apparently not speaking all that well today. (laughs) And when he went back, 
he was working on films like Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, and The Rescuers. Okay, so very much like of a time Disney. Right. And then Walt died. Okay. Which shifted the direction of the studio pretty considerably. Because after Walt died, we went away from the animation Mm -hmm. and moved into the live action stuff. Which we didn't... For the animators, then, that was that was a bit of a blow. Yeah. And the first movie that Don directed animation on was Pete's Dragon. Okay, so I have to say, a couple of weeks ago we watched Pete's Dragon, because now that we have Disney+, Plus, we have all these movies, right? Right. Um, and so I pulled it up because we're trying to transition my son into being, like, not so against non-animated movies. Mm-hmm. So I figured, okay, this one has animation in it. Like, it'll be a good bridge, right? And I saw Don Blue's name come up, and I was like, well, that is super interesting. I need to know more. I'm sure there's a story here. I don't think he liked it. No. I it was can't... It's a terrible movie. <laughs> I can't prove that definitively. Yeah. But I do not think Don particularly cared for his work on Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Especially when you consider that through most of the movie, the dragon is invisible. Yes, that's what I was going to say. There's not actually that much of the animated dragon in that movie. And I... So I think that was probably... A little disillusioning. Yeah, I could see that. Meanwhile, he had created this short called Banjo the Woodpile Cat. Okay. At his home studio in his garage. Okay. Like, he invited his friends over from work. Hey, let's do a short. And they did. Okay. And then he took it back to Disney. Mm-hmm. And they went, Nee. Not interested. Not interested. <laughs> At the same time, he was trying to pitch to them The Secret of Ned. Okay. Because he had been... He, been working on the story. It was... It's based on a book, right? It's based on a book, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nem. And it's a Newbery Medal winner, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great book. And <clears throat> Disney's response was, we already got a mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Multiple mice, actually. Like, especially if they had just done The Rescuers. But, man, definitely, yeah, this was just not the story they wanted to be telling, I guess, at the time. And so his garage band studio (laughs) (laughs) took off and made a movie. Okay. So that was his first film. Mm-hmm. was The Secrets of Nim. 
which is a really good movie, right? Like, have you watched it recently? Yeah, I'm retelling. So the problem with the movie is that it changed the story pretty significantly. Yes, I knew that. It starts out with the book version, okay. which is that the rats from NIM, right, mm-hmm. the, the National Institute of Mental Health, have been experimented on. Okay. And they are going to... And, and they become smart, right? So mm-hmm. then they escape and they go and live in the garden, right? This mm-hmm. is this is where we're all about on the same page. In the movie, we have the introduction of the jewel. I don't know if you remember offhand, but that's pretty much how everything happens. It's the whole critical mm-hmm. ending bit, saves the world, blah, blah, blah. That part was not in the book at all. Okay. And... When, as an adult, watching it critically, I was going, but where the fuck did this come from? And okay. so why it's like, is this happening? And, uh, yeah. It's the worst sort of deus ex machina, right? Like, mm-hmm. the kind that just literally comes out of nowhere. And because it was, but it didn't matter, right? Okay. Like, the story, the story didn't matter. It was beautifully animated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is remarkably well drawn. I can remember there being a lot in that, like, light animation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, glowing and stuff like that. Which always amazes me. Because, like, I can't wrap my head around how to make that happen in an animation as media. So, let's talk about the animation a little bit. Because that's an important discussion. When Don first joined the studio, back when Walt was still alive, the animation department was run by, they were called the Nine Old Men. And there were certain ways that they did things. I mean, we're talking all hand-drawn, pane-by-pane art at this Mm -hmm. point in time. And these are some of the most remarkable animated films you will ever see. Mm-hmm. When Walt died and the direction of the studio f- shifted, the nine men slowly started retiring. Mm-hmm. And when they did so, they neglected... Don was... Don and his friend Gary Goldman were the heirs apparent. Okay. But because the studio had shifted direction, they were not ever given the ability to shadow run a film sure. with the experienced animators still around to go, hey, no, this is what you need to do here. So they essentially lost out on the <clears throat> apprenticeship aspect of Correct. working in a studio like that. And. I think that, you know, Don very keenly felt this as a loss and, mm-hmm. and felt that he was not given the tools that he needed okay. to, and and honestly, I still think that shows in his work a little bit, 
right? Mm-hmm. The art, the animation, it's amazing. But where's the story? Yeah. If you go through almost all of his films, there are pretty serious story problems. And I would say, too, the animation is beautiful, but, like, broadly beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, like, the minute details of it are still rough. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I feel like you end up with a lot of, like, lazy, not lazy, but sloppy mistakes in Don Bluth animation. Right. And and they're stories. Mm-hmm. They're, it, it's always about how the story doesn't work right or how we're doing something for the benefit of the art when it doesn't benefit the story. Mm-hmm. So after Nim. We moved on to, which did fairly well, um, both in the original release and then in the re-release, when it was brought to VHS and Betamax. (laughs) It did really well on Betamax. (laughs) And, okay. Uh, After Nim, then... Steve, he got a call from Steve. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> oh, you know who said, Steve. <laughs> who said, hey, I really like what you're doing. And I have a story for you. Is it about a mouse? It's about a mouse. <laughs> and if you look at American Tale, I think it's very obvious that there was a story there. That it came with one. Because of all of Don's work, it mm-hmm. is the best story. It's so, I mean, it's rough. Like, it's dark. Mm-hmm. An American Tale is, it's, of all of Don's movies, it's the only one I'm actually okay with my younger children still watching at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Because while there are darker elements, the way in which the story is told and the lessons of being Mm -hmm. alone and finding your people are so important Mm -hmm. that I think that one's worth it. So in our house, um, an American tale is the only Don Bluth movie that my son has seen Mm -hmm. because I'm aware enough of the other ones to know he's not necessarily ready for them. He's not ready for them. (laughs) Like, I remember, I watched all of these movies when I was a young Mm -hmm. kid, and I don't don't think I'm better off for some of them. Mm -hmm. When we watched All Dogs Go to Heaven, man, I was was kind of shocked. Mm -hmm. Really? And then, so... So an American Tale was in 1986, and then Steve said, hey, I got this Buddy George, mm-hmm. and he's got this dinosaur movie that he wants to do. <laughs> so they teamed up for The Land Before Time, which I will admit, of the ones that are on the list, it's the only one that I have not recently rewatched. I remember the story, this story too, being fairly put together, and that the overarching themes of it were probably okay. 
But this is where Don and Steve and George parted ways. Okay. Because Steve said, and I quote, it's too scary. Mm -hmm. We'll have kids crying in the lobby Mm -hmm. and a lot of angry parents. You don't want that. Fully 10 minutes of footage, 19 different scenes were cut from the final film to go from a PG rating to a G rating. Now, if you've listened to our deep dive on ratings, you'll understand that in 1988... (laughs) We're already talking about pretty loosey-goosey requirements for ratings. So to get 19... I mean, I I can't can't Do we know what it was? Like, do we know what the content was? Oh, they were all mauling and destruction and death and (laughs) blood and gore. Because, you know, when the dinosaur bites the neck, we need to see the blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like in Dinosaur Train when no. they don't really ever address the fact that the T-Rex eats carrion and what carrion is. <laughs> it just appears as like piles of nondescript brown. <laughs> and I realize what Don wanted was, you know, accuracy. But we're still talking about kids' movies. Right. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think that it was Steve and George who were likely unwilling to continue on. Mm-hmm. I suspect, though I cannot prove it, that it was Don who went, no, the art is more important. Mm-hmm. Because his next film was All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Which is totally not appropriate. Fuck is not at all. So I have a question. Does Don, or did Don Bluth have children? Oh, I guess no children. No children, no wife, just a brother. So, There no you care. go. That, I think that, like, actually gives me a lot so, of insight into... No care. Literally yeah. no care. Yeah. No children, no care. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. After and during production of the uh, <clears throat> All Dogs Go to Heaven, though, Don had, I, I'm assuming, uh, married or not, I, I, I'm assuming the man still does have heart, and that these events probably personally affected him pretty greatly. Mm-hmm. So, in 1987, Elizabeth Hartman, the woman who voiced Mrs. Brisby the Rat, jumped out of a window. Really? Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. She had been suicidal for a while. Okay. And there was apparently... A lot of mental health issues, and we're talking, again, it's 1987. Okay. We did not treat things in the same way then, especially for someone who was famous. Mm-hmm. So we probably just pushed a lot of pills at her, would be my ultimate guess. And yeah, she was hearing voices, and she jumped out of a window. 
that would have been, I think, bad enough, except for what happened to Judith Barcy mm -hmm. in 1988. And we go into her death in our review of All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm -hmm. But I, it had to have been an incredibly rough time. Right, to have that happen one right after the other like that. That's bo two women that he probably worked with very closely. Mm -hmm. I mean, Judith was obviously very young at the time, but he worked with her for two movies. Mm -hmm. She was All Dogs Go to Heaven. She was Ducky in Land Before Time. We had Mrs. Brisby, whose thematic message as a character, right, is of uh, personal growth and not giving right. up and yeah. like, so to have her jump out of a window man yeah i really i suspect these things hit him very very hard which led to some not impressive work for quite some time mm -hmm. after those films, he was not involved in the release of the second American tale or any of the subsequent Land Before Times. Oh, really? He wasn't involved he at was all? He was not involved at all in those. That. No, no, they really, they severed hard. Yeah. So, and I, I do, I feel pretty strongly that that was about Don not wanting to do sequels, okay. to be perfectly honest. I can't say for sure. What I can say is that he did things like Rock-A-Doodle, <laughs> Thumbelina, A Troll in Central Park. I don't even know what that movie is. The other ones I'm aware of, but I don't know anything about A Troll in Central Park. And The Pebble and the Penguin. None of these movies did well. <clears throat> now, at this point in time, he had moved his animation studio over to Ireland. Um, he moved before An American Tale. Okay. So, after... So he'd been here, he'd been in Ireland for all of these films. I'm assuming there's something good about the laws of Irish animation because there are several well-known studios there. Yeah. I'm not particular about what they are. We we have a deep dive coming, don't we, about international Yeah, we hope films. to have more information on that. <laughs> so, so hopefully we can talk about that a little bit more there. But there's something good about Irish animation. That's all I can say. But... After all of these critical flops, I think Dan, Don decided to go back to a larger studio. Okay. Which he did with Fox Animation and Anastasia. Which is a good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> and Although... I think that the I think that the main hallmark of or at least I don't know if Don Booth sees it this way, but I would think that most other animators would see this as, like, a positive. People constantly think that that's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Lots of people think that that's a Disney movie. When I tell them that it is not, they are always mm -hmm. surprised. 
Because I it's think a princess, right? It's a but, princess, and it came out in the depth of, like, the Disney Renaissance, right? Right, Because it was 1997. Mm-hmm. But let's be fair here. Watch it again. Oh, yeah. It's clearly not a Disney right. movie. Anastasia is very dark. Mm-hmm. It is accurate. It tells the story well. Mm-hmm. But it is pretty dark. So, I mean, how can you make it not dark with <laughs> the story that it's based on? When we're telling that, <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the thing. When you compare Anastasia's story, which is a real one, to the stories of her potential counterparts, the Disney princesses, right? right? I would say that the closest, um, the closest, uh, What's the word that I want to use? Like, the closest thematically that Disney gets to that might be, like, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, and they get they get close in some areas. I mean, obviously, Tangled and Rapunzel stuff is not great. And, and Ariel's stuff is not great. But, but by and large, they do not talk about trauma. Right. But I, I, I guess I want to say, like, um, as dark as Disney gets, right. I think. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is about as dark as they get, and that was 1996, so. So that's, yeah. And I don't, Something about that time period. <laughs> I also don't particularly think The Hunchback of Notre Dame, did it do well? No. I no, it can't it possibly well. have done well. <laughs> I can't imagine it did. Let's look. I'll check. It had a hundred million dollar budget and it made three hundred and twenty five million at box office. So that's not terrible. Yeah. Um. I mean, it made more than Anastasia, which yeah. only grossed a hundred and forty million worldwide. But I think the difference there is that that one had a little more longevity. Sure. Overall. People went and saw the Disney movie, but The Hunchback of Notre Dame just didn't stick around. How many of those characters are in the parks, huh? Huh? No. None of them. No. <laughs> None of them. I, yeah. <laughs> so, but after Anastasia, his next film with Fox was Titan A.E. So, which I'm like vaguely aware of, and in, in, in I feel like I get it. I remember in my brain, it. I confuse it with um, like Treasure Planet mm-hmm. and Atlantis. And mm-hmm. I don't is Matt Damon in that one? Uh, yes, okay. that's the one with Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, John Leguizamo, Nathan Lane, Janine Garofalo, Ron What's Perlman. the story of it? Though? It's a really good cast. Um, it's a, okay, do, I, I, I didn't watch this one either. It's in space. It's in space. They're looking for Earth. They're looking Titan for... Titan AE, I believe, stands for After Earth. Yeah. It's 3028. <laughs> There's, it's, it's, I can't. Honestly, I'm reading this description. And <laughs> you can't even summarize it. And I can't summarize <laughs> it. Now, great, under- great kids movie. <laughs> great kids movie. This is... It, it, 
it looks like a pirate story. Yeah, I, I mean, a space pirate, right? It's a space pirate story, and that's, I mean, they find a planet, I guess. That's the end result. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think... When did it come out? This was uh, 2000. 2000. So it came out the same year as... Oh, no, no, that's right. Okay, so 2000. Joss Whedon wrote the screenplay. Really? Yeah. He, like, I feel like Joss Whedon has a really interesting um, history. Like, he's in so many things that you don't know he's, like, had a hand in. You know... Unfortunately, most of it's live action and not kids' films, so it's probably never a, <laughs> an episode that we will do. But yeah, Joss's history is pretty dubious, I, I have to say. I'm, okay, so that I, came out in 2000, and Treasure Planet came out in 2002, which is another space pirate uh-huh. movie. Well, we talked about Treasure Planet, I think, in the Disney Deep Dive, and that one tanked. And Atlantis came out in 2001, which... Also tanked. Yeah. So, at least we know Titan AE was the first. It's not like they saw what happened to Disney and were like, yeah, let's keep doing this. Um, <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's that's a good point. They just... <laughs> they all did it badly is the problem. Here's what and I want. Here's how badly. <laughs> Budget of $90 million, box office... 36. Oh my god. Okay, so to people listening out there, did you see Treasure Planet? Have you ever seen Treasure Planet? Did you see Treasure Planet in the theater? If you did, why? <laughs> um, but also, I'm pretty amazed by the fact that like neither of us has seen it. Oh no, I'm sure I have seen it. You think you saw I'm it? I'm sure. I, I don't think I've it. ever seen it. I'm sure I've seen it because the, I recognize when I hear, when I read the names of this cast, I'm okay. like, oh, I can maybe put some vagary of a face Like to the it. character names? Right. No. Not a name, but some vagary of some kind of, yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, the Titan is where we're going, and that is Matt Damon, and Bill Pullman's the captain. And John Leguizamo is the, <laughs> yeah, the not human thing. I expected him to not be human. Oh, no, I've totally seen this movie. Yeah, I'm looking... I mean, if you're looking at the characters I've seen this as movie. pictures, I can... you've seen it. But it was bad, and it should feel bad, right? I don't remember like, what happens in it. It kind of no, like it's space pirates, and that's all that matters. Like you know what it makes me think of? Oh, there was that cartoon. It was like a Saturday morning cartoon, um, like the Pirates of the Blackwater or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, it's ringing some very faint bells. Or no, the Pirates of Darkwater. Yeah, something like that. It was also like sci-fi pirate situation cartoon. And I think that what they were trying to capitalize on here, this is when, now that I'm saying this, early 2000s is when geekery mm-hmm. started to become a little bit cool. Yep. 
right? Now it's mainstream. Now I can talk about Marvel things mm -hmm. to most people or Harry Potter. Or you to can most tell people. people, hey, I have a podcast. It's about kids movies. <clears throat> and they think, oh, cool. Instead of like, what? <laughs> right. But, but, but there are still, there are still degrees. Sure. And yeah. what I remember clearly is when we were children how this was not at all mm -hmm. cool right yep. i yeah. was talking the other day about how i got beat up in the fifth grade for my star trek lunchbox <laughs> and doctor who scarf sure right like yeah. the, no, those things were not yeah. cool when i was a kid right. they are far more mainstream now but so I think my other question about this time period, knowing that this uh, Titan AE came out in 2000, and then Atlantis and um, Treasure Planet, what was, what changed culturally that all of these animation studios felt like they needed a male protagonist in their animation movies? Because, like, before that, right? Pretty mm -hmm. consistently female, unless... It was an animal. That's just like a. When did we decide experiment. to start animating more for boys? Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Uh, certainly, we did. We had boy animals. I think. Right. But, yeah, but, but like male main character movies. I, the only other one I can think of is um, with Sword it not being an animal. Sword in the Stone. That was the only one that jumped out at me. Um, and oh, there was something else. Um, I was going to say along those lines. I don't know. It's just an interesting shift, and you can see that they continue to struggle with it uh -huh. to the point where Disney then, like we talked about with Tangled, how they rebranded that movie. Well, now understanding here what I've explained about Don. You understand about what's happening at Disney mm -hmm. at all at this time. So Don left. Don left. Gary Goldman, his partner in crime, left. They were supposed to be the guys taking over the studio from the previous nine directors who had right. been running things. But and then Disney saw a lot of success with whatever they hit on as their... Because that's Disney Renaissance after that. That's right. The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. But the animation mm -hmm. is fundamentally completely different. Mm -hmm. Everything about how Disney made movies during the Renaissance mm -hmm. is not the same right. as the classic hand-drawn, frame-by-frame animation that Don valued and still probably does value so mm -hmm. highly. It's 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 not the same stuff. And while but but so here's the question: Is it the art, or does the story? At the end of the day, is it the story that matters more? Because I vote story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with you because I mean we've talked about how visually sleeping beauty is a great movie uh -huh. but storyline wise Holy shit, it's it's a all, there's nothing there's nothing 
There's no story. Uh-uh. And those are the guys that were... On the way out. On the way out that were Don's teachers. Right. So I think that in many ways, Disney, at the end of the day, probably really benefited from the Don. direction they had to... I, I don't know offhand who they hired. I don't know how they rebuilt or what that looked like internally. That's really more Disney geekery than I mm. care to know. <laughs> but but you think they did? They fared better off for the fact that do. Don I, left? I, I think that at the end of the day, they fared better because Don left. Because mm-hmm. he still cares more about the art than the story. Mm-hmm. And the story is... I mean, the story is what gets us films like... Moana mm-hmm. and Onward. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Inside Out. Mm-hmm. These things are, fuck, man. They are the stories I want my kids watching. Right. They're the things I want them to learn. Mm-hmm. They're the lessons that I want them to learn mm-hmm. and that I want them to internalize. We watched Wally this morning. Which always makes me weepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, but God damn it! If they're not more aware of the planet mm-hmm. and the fact that they have to take care of it, than I ever was at that age. Right. Right. Yep. So the story matters more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's. Where we leave it with Don, I mean... Because he hasn't made a movie since 2000. He... So, after... The, yeah, after that, he looked... I, I think he's been animating a video game? Well, he was involved with... Um, Dragon's Lair 3D is Well, he was involved called. with the original, too. And that's like mm-hmm. a very like cult video game. I don't know enough about it. Video games are not my thing. No. I only know, you know, a That is not amount. my geekery. Yeah. I have terrible arthritis. I cannot push buttons in the <laughs> correct way to make the video games do the things that they are supposed to but do. But yeah, he was the director and producer on Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Um, and then 2 and 3D. But... I mean, he's... You know, old and eighty-two now, and mm-hmm. has probably mostly retired. And more power to him, I'd say, because that's you should be enjoying sunshine and shuffleboard at eighty-two, right? right? So his last feature-length film was two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, he <clears throat> is sort of involved in a um, twenty nineteen short film and i would assume that's an advisory credit more than anything yeah because it, right? it's he's listed as an animator on it right so that's that's him going in and peering over the shoulders of the guys who are doing the work mm-hmm. and going no that's not right you need to do this instead mm-hmm. that's that's what that looks like i honestly would have expected more of that Mm-hmm. So what I, 
It took me a long time to find that quote from Steve about how, about the movie being scary. Mm -hmm. And I can't verify it, but my suspicion is, is that Don's a bit of an ass. Yeah. I don't think he's a pleasant person to work with and for because if he was, after he stopped animating directly, there would have been far more credits of like, like producer, producer, like a producer credit, right? Yeah. yeah, those things didn't happen, right? So I just I don't think he's a pleasant person to work with. Okay. I think it's his way or the highway, and nobody wants to deal with that. When animation is very much a team sport, yeah, right. There are so many people involved in it that you can't have that kind of authoritarian presence because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's very collaborative. It has to be collaborative. And I think that ultimately that is where his work suffered the most, was an unwillingness to be collaborative. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's about all I got for you. We have uh, Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea next. Okay. Is that what we're doing? Song sure. Song of the Sea. Yeah. Yes. Song it's a good sea. one. Yes. It's about selkies. It'll be fun. <laughs> and non-American animation. Uh, after that, we've got Wallace and Gromit coming for you and a deep dive on the non-American stuff. Yeah. And we're back and doing the thingies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're very helpful. I tried my best. <laughs> when when we started the podcast, it's been over a year now. Yeah. We flipped a coin over who did the intro and who did the outro, <laughs> and Sarah was jubilant that she had won the intro <laughs> because she didn't want to have to wrap us up. And now, oh, it's so much, so clear why, right? <laughs> All right, guys, we are on Instagram, sort of, and Facebook, sort of. You can talk to us there. It's at Latchkey Movies, um, at latchkeymovies at gmail.com if you want to offer commentary or insights as to, or how we're wrong. Really, at this point in time, I'd happily entertain a how we're wrong. It would be conversation of some kind. <laughs> You can call us at 402-885-4875, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes, although I tell you, I was looking at our metrics, we have a lot of international listeners, so I think that we're probably getting reviews in some places that we just aren't even seeing, because we have people in South America who love our show. <laughs> we were like in number 70 in Argentina for a whole month. <laughs> well, isn't that where Don Bluth did his um, mission? Yeah, there you go. All right, so if you met Don Bluth while he was there, on there his mission, go. come and let us know. <laughs> I like how we got that to come full Bringing circle. Bringing it back around. Right. Isn't that like one of the like tenets of comedy? <laughs> Way to bring it around. 
That is well done. And with that, we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.